guys and girls and everybody. This is Lissa Mandel from the Bitch Seat Podcast. As some of you may know, we are a part of the Atlantic Transmission Network, which is a network that puts out all kinds of great podcasts. A great way to support our show and our sister shows is to visit theatlantictransmission.com and click on the Amazon link at the top of the homepage. It's all the same great Amazon stuff at the same great price, but we get a small piece for sending you there. So if you want to keep shows like The Bitch Seat going, keep us happy, then, uh, you know, throw in your pennies. You don't even have to pay anything extra. Yo, what's up, campers? It's a new year. It's 20-fucking-17. Thank goodness. Um, I'm Lissa Mandel, and this is the Bitch Seat Podcast. Uh, I am again flying solo, but it's okay, because um, our our friend and boyfriend, Phil, will be returning for the next one. Uh, but for this episode, we have somebody with us who I just met, and we're already best friends Her name is Caroline Castro, and I will introduce her in a moment, but I am going to kick off this year with um, a reading from uh, the Composition Notebook. And uh, it's not dated, but because of the content, I know that it is from sixth grade. So here we go. It had been a bad day. Science class was just ending, and my hand ached from taking notes. I was packing up my books when Mr. Shames, the choral director, came onto the loudspeaker. Results for select chorus are posted in the cafeteria. My heart suddenly began to pound. I felt the heavy feeling in my stomach that always comes when I get nervous. Earlier in the year, I had tried out for select chorus. It is a special group in sixth grade that contains 30 people at the most. The year before, I had tried out for the fifth grade group, so sure that I'd make it, but it ended up that I hadn't. The depressing memories flooded back, and I didn't think I could stand the pain again this year. Do you think you made it? All my friends at the science table bugged me about it, but I was too nervous to answer. All through math class, I kept my fingers crossed, waiting for the period to end, waiting for lunch. At 11.06, I made my way to the front of the classroom. I'd hardly gotten out of the door when Michelle came rushing down the hallway. She almost crashed into me. Lissa, Lissa, she cried breathlessly. We made it! We did? Yeah, right. Seriously, she exclaimed, panting. I went to the calf and I checked out the list and, and she couldn't even finish her sentence. I raced to the cafeteria. I searched the list for my name. My finger hit it. Mandel, comma, Lissa, I said aloud. Wow. I hurried to my table. I made it, I cried. They were all happy for me. Maybe this day wasn't so bad. Wah, wah. So this is a very after school special entry, but that's because this as let, let me remind you that pieces that I wrote in this book were assignments for school. So I think this was probably a dialogue assignment because it has a lot of, you know, uh, quotation marks and conversation and whatnot. But we've talked about the lists before, the lists that go up when you've auditioned for something and you're about to find out whether you made it or you didn't and how those lists used to be so very public because they weren't emailed to people. They were just posted on a wall for everybody to see. So that one was a good list. Anyway, guys, uh, just a reminder before we proceed with the episode, uh, you don't need to be on anybody's list in order to be special. So, uh, why don't you be at the top of your own list? All right. Self-care. That's, uh, some advice for myself for the coming year. 
So uh, our guest today is a woman who runs a podcast of herself called Witchcraft. That's W-H-I-C-H craft in which she chats with people about uh, a craft that they like to do and they drink craft beverages such as beer and cider. And I just met her and we have everything in common. It's really creepy. So I hope that you'll all give a nice welcome to Carolyn Castro. Oh, we see Caroline's sparkling <laughs> eyes across a dance floor, and there's a disco ball, so there are flashes of rainbow light flashing across her face, and she's alone, but she looks very expectant, so the camera zooms way out, and we see her in the grand scheme of the whole dance floor. Everybody's twirling around her. You seem like a happy person, Caroline. Yeah, I feel like that's, that scene's actually happened in my life before. Great. I hope you were listening to Cindy Lauper when it happened too. Yeah, at like a college sorority '80s party. I'm pretty sure that happened. Oh, really? Yeah, you're you're. What's the opposite of psychic? We can, you can tell people's pasts. Oh, is that a thing? I thought I don't psychic know, is psychic. Oh. That's what you are. You can tell my. Past. I'm an intuitive. Yeah, well, I just kind of assume <laughs> that if something is true for me, it's probably true for you too. Yeah. Although uh, it's it's weird because you you had a really different background from me. Um, why don't you tell the listeners uh, your story of where you grew up? I am a five foot nine, blue eyed Puerto Rican. <laughs> Whoa, it blows everybody's mind. Yes, yes, I was born and raised there. I have had people ask me if I, um, they're like, but you have blue eyes. Did you move to the States after you were born? I was like, yes, that's where I got my blue eyes <laughs> after I was after born. After I was born and, and um, was 18 years old. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, so I grew up in Guaynabo, Puerto Rico. Um, also known as Guaynabo City because it tries to be fancy. Uh-huh. Um, it has English in the city name. Um, yeah, and I lived in the same house my whole life. I moved down the hallway uh, once when my sister went to college, and then I went to college in the States, and that's when I came over. And we were talking about this earlier, but I think it's super interesting, and I would love for you to to tell the listeners about your experience of not um, feeling like you were of any place. Yeah. So even within my house, my brother and sister went to Catholic school, which is very Puerto Rican. They were older or younger? Older. So my brother is five years older and my sister's 11 years older. And she went to an all-girls Catholic school. My brother went to an all-boys Catholic school and... um had lived the Puerto Rican experience or like the bougie Puerto Rican experience. And then my mom got a job in an army base when I was in second grade. So I left Catholic school and went to that school. And I was very American, even within my family. My brother and sister talked to my dad in Spanish and I don't. Wait, um, but you speak Spanish. I do. I remember trying to talk, uh, speak in Spanish with my brother. I don't know, maybe I was 11 years old and he laughed at me. And then I was like, oh, I'm not doing this anymore then. I'm not. I don't talk to my family in Spanish. Wait a second, but why? Wait, so your family also looked at you as Americanized, even though you... Yeah. Why, though? Because <laughs> of you education. Look different from them? Oh, no, I education see. changes things the he, way you... Yeah, my you, brother has a very thick accent in English. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he thinks in Spanish. And then my sister is very bilingual, actually, because of her schooling. She went to, like, an all-English Christian school to eighth grade and then Catholic school. So that was all Spanish. So she's she can code switch 
mm-hmm. very easily. And then my education was primarily in English. So I write a lot in English. I can I still write in Spanish, but I started writing in Spanglish in college because I missed home. But yeah, I mean, even when I go into stores, people will automatically think I'm a tourist and talk to me in English and I will respond in Spanish with my Puerto Rican accent and they'll right. still be like, no, English. Oh, that's so frustrating because <laughs> uh, I've, I've been to Spain a couple of times and whenever I go, I try to kind of pass because my Spanish is okay. Um, well, I don't remember any words because I've smoked too much <laughs> weed. So, but um, I can usually pass and I feel really great when I can get people to start speaking to me in Spanish, but I can't imagine being in the place where I grew up and have people think that I am not from there. Yeah. I mean- it happened to me this week, though, too. Like, I live in a building in the Bronx that has a lot of Caribbean uh, residents. And my neighbor got my mail. You know, they delivered it to her instead. And they left me a note. And I spoke to her in Spanish because she only answered in Spanish. Like, she only she answered the door in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And she just stared at me. And she wouldn't what? respond to me. And then I spoke in English. And then she still didn't respond because she didn't want to respond in English. But we commune. It was like we. What had did she to, want to respond? In? I don't know. We had to mime to each other. And I was like, <laughs> I actually speak the language, but you're you're so hung up on what I look like that you can't get over like. And the that. other the other people <laughs> in your family, um, do they look? Do you all look the same? Do you? Oh look yeah, alike? we almost look. My even though my brother and sister were so far apart in age, we almost look like triplets. Wow. Yeah, my dad always makes a joke, you know, like, oh, I know your mom didn't cheat on me. It wasn't the, the mailman or it yeah. was. It was the same one because we all <laughs> look. Yeah, yeah, that's my dad. <laughs> we all look like him, so. Well, I, I just can't imagine having that experience, although I do think that, I do think that we've had some shared experiences in terms of our um feeling different and feeling lonely. I know we started talking on uh, your podcast, uh, which I was on recently um, about, about that. Um, And I don't know if you want to speak to that because it sounds like you were so young, so much younger than your siblings that you almost had an only child experience or you were definitely the baby in the family. And so did you perceive that loneliness at a young age or did you have a lot of imaginary friends I had a lot of imaginary friends. I was a very weird child, though, too. How so? Um, I remember not letting people blow out their candles on their birthday parties. Why? Because I thought that's what made you older. And I... Oh, my gosh. That's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) My mom had to ask people to please not use candles um, (laughs) at the birthday party because I was so concerned about people's deaths. That I didn't want them to get older because then they would die and I didn't know where they were going to go. And unless I knew where they were going to go or until I figured that out, I wasn't going to let anybody get older. Until I got a lockdown (laughs) on the afterlife, nobody try anything stupid. (laughs) No candles are blowing out. I've never heard of that. That's adorable. So did you have, oh, this is great. I want to hear about other ideas that you had that were things that were, were you a very superstitious child? Were you a very serious child? I remember getting frustrated writing in the car when I didn't have the vocabulary to know what was outside. So Mm -hmm. I would like throw tantrums because I would see, I would also see trees that were dying and I would feel very sad. Oh Oh, I know. I'm so pathetic. I was like, they're dry. They're dying. Trees are dying. (laughs) I freak out in the car. Um, You were a tiny hippie. I was. I was always a hippie at heart. I, I love that. Um, 
So, okay. So you, you were superstitious about, about aging and death. Was death something that, cause you didn't go to Catholic school, but it was obviously around you. Do yes. you feel like you thought about Catholicism or religion or death or God frequently as a child? Yeah, definitely. Um, was it part of the, the Puerto Rican culture? Um, well, I went to a non-denominational church growing up and it's actually what changed my life. Cause, um, my youth pastor was so supportive. Like he mm -hmm. didn't make things didn't have to be religious for us to do them at the youth group. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I would do like, uh, weekend update, mm -hmm. but I would do it at the youth group and I would make jokes and make fun of celebrities and I didn't have to have any relevant <laughs> or religious information in there. And he just, he let me do that every week. And I started doing uh, parody songs there, too. So, and yeah, what was the beginning of that? So you watched SNL a lot. Yes, when I was young. I remember watching it, I guess, with my parents. I also remember watching, what is that, Sports Illustrated special where they, like, it's like a one-hour documentary, and they talk to all the models who are competing for the cover of Sports Illustrated. I remember watching that when I was young and Whoa. wanting to be a model because of the shows. I watched Sex in the City with my mom when I was young, too, but... Um, yeah. And, and when, okay. And then when you got to New York and you saw that it wasn't Carrie Bradshaw's New York, oh, were you I disappointed? Expect, no, I had such low expectations about New York. I think that's why I'm so happy being here. See, that's how I feel about Los Angeles. That's good. That's yeah. a good omen. Cause yeah, I definitely, I thought it would be rude and dirty and expensive and it is those things, <laughs> but, but also, then when it's not, I'm so pleasantly surprised. Right, right, right. Um, so you wanted to be a model. <laughs> So did you have uh, a pretty good relationship with yourself then? Like, did, did you have a pretty good relationship with your body? Did you like yourself? I think, I, I think about this sometimes too, of like, I'm kind of thankful that we could say, you know, God or the universe hasn't allowed me to be, uh, or didn't allow me to be super successful when I was young um, in terms of, I don't know, worldly success, because I think I was good at those things and it got me attention. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I kept doing them. Which um, things? Like, I don't know, modeling or performing. Um, I mean, I've always loved it, but now I've been able to come back to it out of love, out of a place of love and appreciation. Right. As opposed to like desperation, like desperate for validation yes. and attention. Like, well, I'm good at this and people right. love me. I mean, I, we talked about this earlier, which I wanted to bring up the fact that we were both valedictorians of our high school and then we both overcommitted ourselves way too much and, and lost sleep and were perfectionists and, um, really glad that you could come to this place where you are pursuing things that you enjoy out of enjoyment. And I think that's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't the point that I was going to make. What was I going to say? About being valedictorians. I was psycho. It is. I mean, it was. It, yes. <laughs> I would uh, do, I would have like the math review or whatever before the test. Mm -hmm. And we'd have a, a sheet, like what the key for the answer mm -hmm. key. Um, and I would do it. And then I would circle all the ones I got wrong. And then I would do the whole thing over again until I got you know, them all right. Got them all right. Were and you good at math? No. And sometimes that would take me five times of doing the whole math review. Even the ones I got right, I would still do them again. Wow. Until I got 100% on the math review. Yeah, just that's what I did. Uh, I have memories of, <laughs> I was not, math was my wall area. I mean, I always, I always got A's in my math classes, but then 
in my junior or senior year, I, I, I started calc and there was only one mm-hmm. calc. It was AP. There was no normal calc. So I started it and I kept getting like sixties and seventies on my quizzes. And it was just like, my brain had hit a wall and I was so furious with myself because I was like, what is the problem, Lissa? Like I studied my head off, but it just didn't make sense to me. And I ended up taking pre-calc that year and it felt like a huge failure, but, um, but you were still valedictorian. But I was still yeah. valedictorian in the end. That's right. <laughs> I still have nightmares about being in high school and having missed so many classes that I wasn't going to graduate, even though in the dream I'm like, but I did. I'm a grown up now. <laughs> but no, I don't have a high school degree. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hated math, but I do recall like crazy studying habits that I'm sure you did too. Of uh, my dad and I would read the AP US history book out loud to each other until like two in the morning when I had to get up at, you know, five or five 30 mm-hmm. to study. And, um, there was so much reading. There was no way I was going to, but we made it fun. Yeah, I was obsessive. I was definitely obsessive. Yeah. And so, um, did your parents know that about you? Did they encourage it in you? Did they think everything was just fine? Uh, my dad has always told me I could do whatever I want and he thinks I can conquer the world, which is great. And Just like my, my dad. My mom is the practical, like, what are you doing? Worry about everything. Oh my God. We have the same parents. We do. Sure we do. <laughs> and like there was, I had one competitor for the crown. Yes. A valedictorian. And she was like, you're this close. Like she pushed it. Oh yeah. She was definitely like. You might as well do it. Uh, just, yeah. You know. Yeah. My dad was definitely a supportive, like, sentimental, optimist, very romantic. And my mom was like, well, how are you going to pay your rent? Well, nope. what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? Yep. Um, very anxiety-driven family. Yeah. Uh, but we led, we led parallel lives. We do. I love it. I actually really, I'm like living for it. I know. <laughs> so um, I love, I love this, this artifact that you brought to share with us, which is actually exists only um, in your head, but apparently on YouTube as well. So do you want to give a little bit yes. of a context for what you're going to share? So yes, I started writing parody songs in high school. It might've been even middle school. And this was inspired by watching things like SNL and Living Color um yeah probably snl i don't know i i liked weird al yankovich too and then he's brilliant yeah and then in college i started watching flight of the concords but they write you know original stuff but yeah i just wanted to make fun of pop stars and i enjoy singing but i can't take myself seriously when i do it and so this allows me to sing and not take myself seriously at the same time so so Whenever okay. you're ready. You and I'm look. totally, I love my sister, but I'm going to throw her under the bus. So this song <laughs> is inspired by my sister getting a boob job when I was like in high school. And how old was she? She was 23 when she got wow. boobs. Did your parents freak out or were they cool with that? They were okay. I think they were just like, she's going to do it. But yeah, in Puerto Rico, it was crazy because she did it and then she wanted to be on camera. My sister was a model. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was on like on a huge billboard in Puerto Rico with like her butt out. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, it was like tengo un coco para banana boat, which is like I have a a coco, like I have a butt, but also I have a thing for banana butt. Yeah, banana boat. Not I butt. have a lady boner for a yeah, banana boat. Exactly. Yes. Um, and she started hosting on TV, but they want for her to actually 
keep those jobs. They wanted her boobs to be even bigger. And oh she gosh. already got them insanely huge. So she was like, I, she wasn't even going to go bigger than what she already had. But um, yeah, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to sing this, right? Yeah. Okay. Bum, 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 Dr. Jelly. Ooh, give me some boobs so I can meet some really hot dudes. Dun, 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 dun. Give them with just like pig melons. But don't make me look like Pamela Anderson, Dr. Reduce my butt, no cellulite, make a small scar, a really nice cut, then... Oh, then fill my lips with all your injections like collagen so I can pucker in the greatest fashion. Doctor, make me real thin, just like Barbie so I can get Ken. Make me fit, just like a commando or better, so I won't look like a sumo wrestler. Doctor, give me a lift, not like Joan Rivers, not to that extent. <laughs> Took me all over, all over my body, so I can look like a Baywatch hottie. Doctor, thank you so much. I'll pay you now, but you cannot touch. If you did, it would feel just like plastic. But that's okay, because I look fantastic. Boom, 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 boom. Yes. Yay! What a weird mind I always had. Oh my gosh, but it's that is great. And I just wish that you had been in front of the right people at the right time because it's really smart, especially for a high school student. And, you know, clearly stuff that's still in the news now. Yeah, I know. Rest in peace, though, Joan Rivers. I know. You know, I wrote it a while ago. That's crazy because our the uh, the guest we had on our most recent podcast was obsessed with Pamela Anderson and he, uh, Jeremy Redleaf, he showed us uh, a book, an autobiographical book he made in fourth grade in which Pamela Anderson was going to be his wife. He was obsessed with her. Yeah. So it was the time of Baywatch when we were growing up. Yeah. It got everywhere. Uh, But your voice is like sand. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's amazing. So you made a whole series of these parody songs. Yeah. I had a really offensive one. Um, a Britney Spears song, Like a Slave, mm-hmm. um, but it was about AIDS. Yikes. Yeah, I went, I was like, you know, I didn't know what was inappropriate. I didn't even know even the racial stuff in the States. Because in Puerto Rico, we're all, even even though people treat me like a tourist, culturally, we're all Puerto Rican. Right. You don't look at the color of someone's skin and not think there's a possibility they could be Puerto Rican. Like, my dad is I mean, he's very light. He's like me, and he he's in the culture, even if there's right. a different treatment. Right. Or especially when it comes to just the different shades, right? So we we have Afro-Latinos, mm-hmm. and we have Trigenito, which is like the in-between. It's, you're like a little, uh, I guess, a caramel color. I don't really want to c- uh, compare it to sweet, something sweet, just a light, you know, light brown, different hues, but we're all Puerto Rican. That mm-hmm. doesn't indicate a whole different culture. Right. A whole different people. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so what did you think, like, growing up uh, in Puerto Rico, but as somebody who people thought was American because you happened to have light skin, did you, how did you think of American celebrities? What was the relationship that you had to them? Did Back then, I 
wanted, I emulated that. Like, it's so funny because I didn't realize till my AP Spanish class, uh, my teacher, I love her, Senora Becchini, mm-hmm. um, she was like, draw a house. I want everyone to just draw a house, not like a, a rendering, just like your basic little yeah. drawing. You know, and we all drew it with um, a roof, like a pointy roof. Right. And Puerto Rico doesn't have pointy roofs. And she's like, yeah, they do this kind of testing with elementary school students too. And it's like, we're just told that houses have pointy roofs. But in Puerto Rico, because of hurricanes, they're all boxes. We have they're like wow. box houses. Yeah, because they won't get affected by the wind as much. And it's all like cement. We don't have brick. But because of what we see in the media, like that, we just think that that's what houses really that's look like. It's crazy that even to that level, that yeah. kind of culture is translated. It's And I mean, I don't want to go dark here, but you know how we're all a little bit brainwashed. Yeah, um, absolutely. That we don't discover until later on. But Oh, I've had hair, like horrible things happen. Like, or just, yeah, I got my nails done once, you know, and it was the same thing. Like, oh, it was in Puerto Rico. And they're like, oh, you're... But eres Puerto Rican? Like you're Puerto Rican? I was like, yeah. And I slipped, and then the woman was like, "Ahí te salió." Like, there's your Puerto Ricanness, because I slipped. Oh, it was the weirdest. So they thing. were so sort of being. Um... I was fancy, and white, and then I slipped, and then they're like, oh, "Okay." There's the imperfection. Now you're oh, the imperfection that's what makes you real to us. That's what and makes Puerto you, Rican. Yeah. <laughs> it was so strange. But so they were associating like a uh, a mistake or a default, a de- defect with. Yeah. That's crazy. It's, yeah. it's almost like racial insensitivity against your own culture. Well, that's definitely what we have. Um yeah, I remember going my I was so offended my first year in college because I was in a 301 class about mm-hmm. Afro-identity and Hispanity. And everyone was telling me how Puerto Rico was so racist because we we have that preference to the lighter skin or we have sayings about improving the race, like you marry lighter. Sure. Um, but that's self-hate. It wasn't racist. I mean, there there are, there's racist roots in it, but it's, it's a self-hate because we sure. still all consider each other Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in America, there's a divide. Right. We don't divide each other. Um, there's a yeah. There's just a self hate when it comes to that. I understand. I mean, yeah. I definitely a lot of Jews. I mean, my family included are not self hating, but self critical. Very self critical. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's interesting that for as long as we can remember culturally, like Americana, you know, American for whatever you think American is, which is eventually where you went to college, which was a very white middle yes. America Christian. Um, place wonder bread the wonder bread america that like everybody who's not that is subject to criticism which is crazy to me and this is not a political show i'm not gonna get political but why are we still dealing with this yeah it yeah well and i you know i'm i'm i look russian but in galesburg illinois where i went to college it was so quick in a conversation. People would want to differentiate where I was from. But you have an accent. You, you're different. Why are you different? Why, why can't I place you? Like people want to categorize you so soon. Yeah. And why did you go to college at that college? Why was that your choice? Um, my it's such a weird story. My top choice was UVA because mm-hmm. that's my parents had gone to Virginia. My mom was in the first. It's a beautiful female. school. 
class that was admitted Amazing. into UVA. Yeah, so I felt a lot of history there. I'm glad in the long run I didn't go there because I think I became Puerto Rican coming to the States, and I, I think that would have hmm. been harder in the South, actually, than in the Midwest. Um, but why not the Northeast, say? I did think about Boston, too, but then I got a scholarship at this school. Uh, yeah. And BU you beca- you beca- was expensive. Yeah. And so... So you were clearly differentiated and people said, oh, you're different. Here's how you're different. Was it ever a positive experience for you? Were you ever happy that you stood out there? Eventually, I want to say yes. Um, You don't have to. (laughs) Creatively. I think creatively the stories I was choosing to tell, yes. But it was usually only by other Latinos on campus. We're like, you're doing this. This is great. I want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. no, I even, I mean, I've lost, I've, I've lost friends that have now apologized and I love them dearly, but they couldn't understand what, even something as small as dancing a samba dance, which is not Puerto Rican, it's Brazilian, but right. for the talent show, I lost a friend over that because they were so offended that Why? we were half naked on stage in front of strangers and this is Illinois and this is America uh, and where are so, you? I didn't realize how puritanical America was until I went to Spain, honestly, because yeah. I went there in a summer when I was in college uh, by myself and I just walked everywhere and I noticed that everybody was wearing brightly colored, very tight things. Like the women were, were nearly naked, but they were so unapologetic about it. And it was like everybody. So I started dressing that way, you know, when I would go into the Zara, this was before Zara was in the United States and I would go into the Zara and I would buy all these like skimpy, like bright colored party tank tops, you know? And then when I flew back to the States, I flew into Logan in Boston. And when I got off the plane, I remember noticing that everybody was just wearing the most boring, (laughs) like khaki and white and polo shirts. And I was like, God, I do Mm -hmm. not identify with this at all. Yeah. Um, Yep. So I love that you chose to wear it loud and proud because you could have been, you could have been squashed into not expressing yourself, but I feel like yeah. it popped you out the other way. It did. It did. It challenged me to, I missed it. I missed the thing that I, I was worried I wasn't a part of. And so I wrote plays in Spanglish, but, um, and, I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I, I do want to talk about the body thing though, too, because yes. I looked forward to going home and going to the beach because you see every size in a two piece in Puerto Rico and it is not a big deal. Women with Ugh. stretch marks, women with, like, you want to say the cottage cheese thing, you know, mm-hmm. the like, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It's hot. We're having a good time. It's the beach. Everyone deserves to be there. Ugh. That whole, like, I can't believe she's wearing that. That'll be more of a fashion thing at the mall that people would say, not being naked or having something tight. Right. There's no shame associated oh, with it. Oh, yeah. I definitely it. had more body issues moving to the States. It's so weird here. You heard it here first, listeners. <laughs> you want to go someplace and be nearly naked and have no shame about it? Um, uh, go to Puerto Rico. Go this to South America. By. <laughs> yes, Puerto Rico. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go. Yeah, it's it's liberating to have that. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh! So ah, I have so many questions about it. Um, so you came here. You didn't know anybody, right? You were eighteen. Yes. I didn't know anybody in the state of Illinois. Did you ever have a moment where you said, where you're thinking, forget this, I got to get out of here. This is terrible. Well, that's what I wanted to leave Puerto Rico my whole life because I wanted more opportunities and I knew I wanted to write and you just can't necessarily do that there. I mean, if I had my own production company, you know, that's not, you can do anything if you're doing it yourself, but I wanted 
the opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, But I originally wanted to live, I wanted to be an expatriate and live in Europe. Like even as a high schooler, I was like, that's what I want to do. Oh, very, very cool. Um, but then I, I know. But then I studied abroad and I was like, oh, but there's no Latinos here. Like in England, there were a million Latinos in all of England when I was there. That may wow. not be the case, but I was like, I can't do Spanglish plays here. Like, would it make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel like I had an audience. So I didn't really feel like I fit in the U.S. until I went to San Francisco for a semester. And then I was like, oh, I think you're so brave. I love it. I'm I'm almost I'm addicted to starting fresh to new new horizons. I love that. We talked about that how I'm going how I'm moving to LA and I've never really had the experience of moving to a new city like with with nothing ready to go there. Being a whole new person. Like not a whole new person, but you know yeah, what but I it's mean? It's like going like to a- camp, you know, you can be a different person at camp from who you're ta- you're tagged as at yeah. school and I'm excited to go to a place where there's novelty in the basic things like going to the grocery store will be an adventure, you know? Yeah. I love that new people and just, yeah, the new style, like everyone's going to do, they're going to do things in a different way. So were you always, when you were a kid, would you consider yourself an optimist? I would, it's a weird blend. Cause you know, there was the whole death thing and I've always had that part of me of like things end and I don't know why That's like the mystery Spanish, of the Spanish roots thing like all <laughs> Spanish plays I feel like a lot of Spanish plays have a lot of blood and drama in it's them like, oh, but I would say I think it's easier for me to be an optimist for other people <laughs> that's so specific and great. Yes. I, that's, I'm great at that. Yeah. I feel the same way. I'm really good at giving advice. Not good at taking my own advice. Yeah. I'm, I'm someone can be in a bad situation. I could still be like, but this happened and I'll do that for myself. But then I won't really, I will just dwell. When you were at the, <laughs> the army base school. Yes. Were you, um, did you have like a core group of friends? Did you hop around from group to group? Did you kind of, not, did you kind of do your own thing? Were you the therapist among your friends? I definitely was a butterfly uh, and I hopped all around, but I would say I had some, I had core friends. Mm. Uh, They just weren't all core together. (laughs) They were my core. And they knew, did they also have aspirations to go to leave Puerto Rico? Yes, absolutely. Most of us actually have, we've gone. Um, And it's funny, several of them wanted New York Mm -hmm. and I never thought, I was never thinking New York. I don't know what I was thinking. Just be, infinity and beyond was what I was thinking anywhere yeah. but here. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, there's a mass exodus from Puerto Rico now uh, just because the economy is so bad. Would you ever, you know, if you got, if you found some commercial success here with your, with plays or with any of your projects, would you consider bringing them back there to kind of revitalize the scene? So here's the deal. This is kind of, I guess it's kind of political. I want Puerto Rico to legalize weed. Mm -hmm. I think it would be so smart. It would boost our economy. Mm -hmm. I want to, then I I don't even smoke weed that often. I'm not, you know, opposed to it, but I'm just, I don't pursue it. Sure. I just think it'd be so smart to grow weed, to infuse it with coffee, which we also grow there, and chocolate that we grow there, and have weed retreats and writers' weed retreats. They would make a ton of money. It would be so great. And then I'd want to use that money and have a production company in Puerto Rico. Absolutely. Because we could film all the time, except for hurricane season. But, you know, it's sunny. When is hurricane season? Uh, Usually September to, like, November. And is it... it are there things, safeguards in place that you remember from childhood, like um, 
was there a shelter that you would practice going to? Were there drills? There were drills, but I remember, I mean, I experienced hurricanes. Everyone boards up their windows and, you know, we have to help clean up the whole next day and you find out who lost their house or who oh, had great gosh. damage to their house. But it was house. a sort of a regular occurrence. Yeah, but it was kind of like, I mean, you'd prepare months or weeks in advance, I guess you could say. Well, I think that this might contribute to your slight obsession with, with death and disappearance and endings and stuff because you had to deal with there. that. You had to deal with that on a regular basis. We had hurricanes. We had a few really crappy ones, but it wasn't the kind of thing where there was hurricane season. Yeah. It's like once in a while a bad one came through. Luckily but. people didn't die. I mean, I didn't know people that died during that. But yeah, it was always, it was a regular occurrence. Kind of like tornadoes, you know, people in tornado towns, they Oh, that scares the crap out of me. Yeah, that's scarier to me. Or earthquakes are very scary. But um, my first kiss was in a hurricane. <gasps> Tell me about so. that. How old were you? <laughs> I'm such a late bloomer. I was a sophomore in high school. I'm not judging you. I know people. I know people who were much later bloomers than that. Oh yeah, I'm definitely a late bloomer. It's fine. Um, he was my first and last American kiss, <laughs> <laughs> and it was at the, the army base school. Yes, he he was an American on the army base. He had just moved there like a year before. And what was his first name? Oh, he's so gross. Tom. He's, okay. Yeah, no, he's, uh, yeah, bad. He did, a, he broke a lot of hearts at that school oh, by being shady. Tom. Shady Tom. Well, my, our parents kept in touch too. So I, I know that he tends to like dating people that are married or like doing, oh. he's a twin too. So like trying to do that double up thing. I don't know what. Oh, he but, sabotages his relationships. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, who knows? But so, was, okay. He was excited that I'd never been kissed before. That was like the oh, whole. Oh, he wanted to be your first. Yes. That was a novelty. And then. Oh, it was like the whole movie scene. Like he bragged about it to the football team. Oh, gross. Yeah. Was it a good kiss or was it a no, bad No, I one? knew it was bad and I never kissed anybody before. And he looked at me and he's like, you look so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, and I kissed him the rest of the day, the rest of that hurricane, because I was like, there's no way I'm going to be bad at this. Oh, so and you used him as a practice doll. Then I then I used him as a practice See, doll. See, I love that. That is, that is <laughs> true optimism. I was like, well, we're going to get good at this. Where were, so wait, where were you trapped in a in a house together? Yeah, he was like, I've never been through a hurricane before. Come be with me. And you wink, went over. Wink, and we were watching movies and like the lights went out after two hours. And it yep. was like, oh, what are we going to do now? And I was so innocent. I was like, he's going to, we're going to spend the whole day together and he's going to kiss me goodnight when I leave. Oh, uh, surprise. Two surprise. hours into the whole day. <laughs> it was like, we're on my couch. I'm going to make out with you. And he went, he went open mouth first. Like I never kissed Yikes. at all. And it was like. I know. My first kiss was open was mouth bad. also. And it was bad. And he like, too. yeah, it was so bad. Now, all my other kisses after that have been wonderful. See, I love that. And they've I, all been Latino. Surprise, surprise. Latinos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. So you should you should do some kissing lessons for American oh, yeah. boys because yes. a lot of them are sloppy. I mean, I... Awkward. Yeah, my first kiss was on the, the deck of a... A kind of a cruise boat thing in the Boston Harbor oh, at summer camp. I was exciting. 13. Yeah. And I had a crush on this guy based purely on what he looked like. Mm-hmm. And smart, smart. Um, he, I didn't know what I was doing at all. We were going out for three days, which meant that we sat together at events and held hands. That's literally it. We didn't have any actual conversations about things because I was paralyzed with fear and he was really socially awkward, but 
he was going to kiss me and his friend will who was wearing a lobster hat and i do write about this in one of my <laughs> diaries but there was like a big lobster coming out the front a baseball cap with a big lobster head coming out the front and a lobster tail going out the back he wanted to kind of direct the whole thing no. so he popped around the corner and he had his like a box of orange tic tacs so he gave us both orange tic tacs which are not breath freshening no by the way do not like them that sounds like a disgusting jello shot right and then he kind of disappeared around the back so like we're on the deck of the ship but there's and then there's like a wall behind us where the inside of the ship is but there's a window so like will was behind that wall like a cop watching mm-hmm. into an interrogation room and david was his name went to kiss me he was super tall way too tall for me and it, his mouth was immediately open and I had watched, I had fantasized about kissing so much and yes. it was not, it didn't feel at fire all like what I wanted it to feel like. It was sloppy and like, bleh, you know, that's exactly how uh, I feel. Our parallel lives. Our parallel lives. Again. I know. Yeah. I remember thinking like my eyes were closed and I was like, where are the fireworks? What does this feel like? What is this? This is, this feels like a slug on my mouth. <laughs> I know. It was so gross. I graduated pretty quickly from Tom and dated someone in college after that. Oh, good for you. I was. I mean, not right. Not. Well, did you date Tom year. after that day of making oh. out? I mean, whatever. Talking, had a crush. He broke up with me through somebody else, right. through a mutual friend. That's how. So that's stupid. how it happens. I cried all day. Was embarrassed and yelled at his twin as if his twin could do anything. Um. Ugh. But yeah, then I had a college boyfriend. <laughs> What was your college boyfriend's name? Josue. Very nice. Oh. Good man. Yeah. So he was, so he, you found another Latino. Yes. In he was Illinois. Chileno. No, this was, this was high school. Oh. I was in high school and then I dated someone in college. Who oh. was in college. Okay. That's what I mean. But you, I graduated. Yeah. From. You, you, you punched up. I was like, I'm over high school. <laughs> no, good for you. That was a good move. I was like, goodbye. Yeah. Uh, goodbye. High school boys. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Um, well, Caroline, I feel like I could talk to you for several days. I but, know. Um, oh, is it over already? Uh, yeah, but we're going to keep having these conversations. Um, only we're going to have them in uh, in real life. And uh, IRL. IRL. I brought a, I have a, pre- a present for you. So What? Um, I always give my guests presents at the end of the show. This is so nice. What a nice surprise. I, I love well, presents. it's not that exciting. Usually, so there are things that I, um, that are from my childhood bedroom that I have owned in the past that would otherwise not have a second life. Cause we, I grew up in one house also. I never yeah. moved even once. I had nightmares about moving. And so all of my stuff is still there. So oh. whenever I go home, I pick up another, but, but this is a little bit different and this is coming out, you know, on new year's day and it's a fresh start. And I'm going to give you something from my current life mm. um, because I had to, and I'll show you why. Um, I got this in Los Angeles at a place called the House of Intuition, which Ooh. is a store that sells all kinds of hippy dippy stuff that I love. Crystals and magic elixirs and essential oils and candles and tarot cards and all that stuff. Um, and it's a keychain. It's a wooden hand carved keychain um, that says your intuition led you here. And I feel like our friendship uh, is happening because our intuition led us here. and. I um, love this so much. I thought you would. Oh, I thought I'm you glad would. My, our fingers touched when oh. you gave it to me too. <laughs> um, this is so, so wonderful. I really feel connected to you. I do too. I'm I'm really happy we met. Me too. Yeah. Well, do you have anything that you would like to plug? You do. I know that you do. 
Oh, I do. Um, so I'm gonna start having a monthly show at QED. Oh, it's monthly. I didn't even know that. It Congrats! Is. Thank you. It's called Pop Fiction, and I basically pick a new pop star every month, and I do parody songs, like a mini parody concert. That's incredible. And I'm gonna try to embody J Lo on January eighth. So that's amazing. So yeah, QED. If you're in New York, QED in Astoria, off the Ditmar stop of the N train. Uh, or W, which has come back. Very weird. Um, January 8th at 7 p.m. You yes. can see Caroline. And then January 8th at 8.30 p.m. Stick around for the Bitch Seats um, send-off show uh, until April, when we'll be back for another one. And, yes, uh, you can have fun with both of us. Yes, and follow Caroline's amazing podcast about crafting. We're both love crafting. It's called yes. Witchcraft. Yes, it is on Facebook. Excellent. And do you have a, a Twitter handle? No, I have to, you gave me advice. Get on that. On that. I know. I need to do it. Marketing. Yes. Learning. You can follow the bitch seat at, uh, at the underscore bitch underscore seat on Twitter or me at Lissa is a person. Um, this, uh, podcast can be found at the Atlantic transmission network where there are several other amazing podcasts. So check into that. Uh, Lissa, the wonderful person. Oh, thank you. I, have a girl I don't know. Crush. I totally oh, do. Likewise, I found my sister. All right, guys, go out and find your brothers and sisters. They're out there. Yes. Even if your you don't share parents, will lead you to them. your intuition will lead you. Treasure what got you here, guys. I'm Ben. As always, I'm Paul. And we're from Juicy Reviews. We have a podcast where we like to talk and review movies, maybe bring on a wacky character from that movie, and always play some games. We like some games. I actually brought a clip, Paul. Wait, you brought a clip? I brought a clip. Can I listen? Yeah. I look mad young, right? Yeah, yeah. you look young in the movie, and... Uh, I hooked up with a bunch of the young chicks at the movie. Oh, you know what? You know what? It's not illegal if you're a police officer. And, and, I believe that, And this yeah. is something I wanted to bring up since you're here. Sure. Tell us about all the hookups on set. Oh, my God. Who's Un- hooking up with who? Yeah. So, all right. So, like, there's, like, these, like, Asian girls in the movie. Right. They put I, the twins, right? I triple kissed them. Okay, oh, a little triple kiss. Triple that way, I didn't get confused if it was Rachel or Rebecca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I was like, oh, whatever, and I triple kissed them. Was and was that offset or on camera, or and they got cut out, maybe? Or oh, uh, I didn't do it on camera for sure. Okay. I would never because I, you know, what I mean, that's I could get in a lot of trouble for that. I don't, I don't know how old they are. I could never tell with them. But uh, who else? Let me see. Cecily, the girl. Yeah, I chalked. I, I chalked her. You chalked her. What? <laughs> I chalked what is, her. What is chalking? That's when you kind of forcibly kiss someone. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!